Guys, this is very exciting. Firstly, welcome officially to episode 20. This is like a milestone. I feel like 20 is a pretty good um, milestone. So I'm very happy about this. Yes, I'm aware that had I released an episode every single week and not had those dud um, fortnights where I just was not releasing an episode, I would have gotten obviously to 20 earlier. But let's not focus on that. Let's focus on the fact that we're at 20. Um the episode today is narcissists. Now, this is dealing with toxic people and the category is narcissists. I have to kind of break it down because there's going to be another episode on dealing with toxic people, but they're not necessarily going to be narcissists. I put out kind of like the feelers on my Instagram the other day and I had so many people even mention specific situations that go down that screams narcissist or blatantly being like how to deal with a narcissist because I was saying what kind of toxic people do you want me talking about and those were kind of the answers that I was getting so I thought it best to do one episode on that and then another episode on just general toxic people um now when it comes to narcissists I'm going to be breaking it down as far as because as you can imagine as you would be aware a narcissist can be in a relationship, a romantic relationship, it could be a parent, a child, a sibling, a friend, a colleague, a boss, in-laws, you know, it could be absolutely anyone in your life. But obviously, it's going to be someone that you have a relationship with. You're not going to be hitting up this episode for a narcissist in your life that you rarely have to deal with because obviously that wouldn't be affecting you. So we're obviously talking about people that are close enough in your life that are a narcissist that are affecting you enough that you want to do something about it or you need to learn what to do about it. I'm also going to be, so number one, I want to be talking about all kinds of, like what a narcissist is. I'm going to be raising all these different kind of markers for you to identify the narcissists in your life. Then I'm going to be talking about um, what to do if you want to cut a narcissist out of your life and also what to do if you have a narcissist in your life and you just absolutely cannot cut them out for a whole array of reasons, but if they absolutely have to stay in your life, what you can do about it. But before we get into that, let's quickly recap my week. Not that exciting. So this is going to be very quick. Just literally submitted an essay. That is my week. And also the countdown is on for me to change my hair. But I've already told you about that last episode that I am changing my hair. However, by the 21st episode, my hair will be a different color. Now, it sounds really mundane and not that exciting, but you can. this is very exciting for me. I am someone who has changed my hair color at least twice a year, my whole life, up until five years ago. And five years ago, 2015, it would have been around maybe Feb, I dyed my hair back to black and it's been that ever since. So more than five years. Guys, this is a really big deal. This is a big deal for me. Anyway, so we're on this journey together, I'm just hoping that, like, I have all the faith in my hairdresser. She's an actual legend, but I'm really hoping that when I speak to you guys in a week, I'm actually content with the color <laughs> that my hair has transformed itself into. So we're all we're all in this together, and um, yeah. So stay tuned. I will keep you posted. Also, if you follow me on Instagram, Alexis at Alexis Predes, P-R-E-D-E-Z, then um, you will be more aware of the changes in my hair before the next podcast is released. Also, like I said last, I was going to say last semester, get your shit together, Alexis, last episode, 
I am going to be continuing with that segment that I started with about fun brain facts or myths. So today I'm going to be talking about just a like a interesting thing about the brain and it's got to do with memories and false memories and how we reconstruct memories. It's actually really interesting. So I thought I'd just let you guys know kind of how the brain or how we psychologically create memories because I think there's this perception that we or our brains kind of reproduce but instead it's reconstructive. So when we think of an event that happened or something that we witnessed or something that happened to us, we often believe that because it felt so real, it was so visceral, we were physically there, we were in the flesh watching it go down, that we think there's no way that it can't be accurate. However, the brain, and this is actually an intelligent feature of the brain, but it kind of often works for us, but in situations like eyewitness accounts and stuff, it can work against us in the sense that our memories are actually not that accurate a lot of the time. Um, even if you were literally involved in it, even if it was like really traumatic and you'd think that it would be like crystal clear the memory, often it's not. So we actually don't reproduce a memory. Very often it's reconstructive. And the interesting thing is that often when you're going to retrieve a memory, you're actually remembering the last time you remembered it. You're not going back to the original instance where that memory was formed. So say something happened in 2010 and then in 2012 you had to go to court and talk about it and then in 2014 you appeared on an interview show talking about this event that occurred and then whatever. You're not going to remember then right now in 2020, you're not remembering what happened in 2010. You're going to remember the last time that you had to retrieve that memory in detail. So this is a really interesting thing because it's kind of how – Um, lawyers in the courtroom will kind of twist a memory or police in an interrogation. That's kind of how they're going to twist an eyewitness to believe that they saw something that they didn't actually see. And there was this really interesting um, experiment that was done where they had people witness a car crash, a video of a car crash, and then they would ask all the participants, how fast did you think the cars were going when they smashed into each other then they asked another bunch how fast did you think the cars were going when they collided into each other and then the other group they asked how fast did you think the cars were going when they made contact and the people that were told smashed the word smashed claimed that there was broken glass when there was none and they also claimed that they were going 30 kilometers an hour faster than the people that said that the cars collided with each other. So even words are going to make you replay the scene in your head completely differently or kind of you're going to embellish how it went down. Another experiment that they did with people is that they had to see a car driving down a road and then they asked you later saying how fast was the car going when it passed the barn and there was no barn in the video but you're thinking okay well there wasn't a barn in the video in the video at all but then a week later they asked you what did the barn look like because you had a week in that time and you know what a barn looks like you've reconstructed you've grabbed your last memory of an actual barn or kind of what your typical memory of a barn looks like you've embedded it into this memory and 75% of people were able to really accurately describe a barn that they genuinely believed was in this video that they watched of a car driving down the road, even though there was no barn at all in the first place. So it's this idea of reconstructing a memory um, 
that occurs. So if you're ever having an argument with anyone and it's about something that went down and you're neither of the two of you are sure about the time frame and neither of the two of you are exactly sure about when and what was there. Um, I wouldn't argue anything to death and I would let this person know that no memory is going to be ironclad. So let it die. Don't ever let an argument where it comes to a memory about an experience that you've witnessed um, be the end of a relationship or a friendship and don't let that kind of yeah, get in between you and someone else because chances are you are wrong and they are also wrong. So just let it go and don't kind of cling to this thinking that an eyewitness account is the most accurate thing. It actually far from accurate, unfortunately. Okay, so that is the fun brain fact for today. Now I want to get straight into the topic of narcissists. So in the episode of Toxic Psychos and Red Flags, at the end of that episode, I did break down what a narcissist was. I kind of touched on it extremely briefly, but based on that, I had so many people being like, can you do an episode just on narcissists? Because that one thing like highlighted so many things. So here I am finally doing this episode on narcissists in particular. I'm going to dive a little bit deeper on kind of the alarm or the red flags to a narcissist and I'm sure that after hearing this you're going to realize that you are actually well you have a narcissist in your life or have had a narcissist in your life so I think a lot of people think that narcissists are people that love themselves and are conceited but that's not at all what a narcissist is so someone that's up themselves and people always say oh we've got this narcissistic culture with people on social media and people taking selfies and whatever that's not being narcissist at most it's being conceded but that's not being a narcissist a true narcissist and it's an actual disorder narcissistic personality disorder is someone who does not actually love themselves it's almost the opposite of self-love but they are in love with a heightened sense of who they are so they're in love with this grandiose image that they've created of themselves and they want other people to believe that they are that version of themselves which they're not. So in their head, they've created this like kind of um, like an avatar or like whatever you'd consider it, but a false version of who they are. And they've not only created it, but they want everyone else to perceive that they are that person. So they're in love with the image, but not with themselves. And it's this obsession to uphold that image and to genuinely have people agree with them that that is who they are. Everything that a narcissist does is to protect that false image of themselves that they have created. They will do anything to protect it. So they're going to be the least vulnerable and open to people. They're going to be extremely defensive, like irrationally defensive. They're the kind of people that will get angry very easily and snap in such an irrational way that it will throw people off and people kind of don't know how to react to them so they don't want to kind of prod any further because they've just kind of like flown completely off the handles. They absolutely lack empathy. They have none whatsoever. So in an argument, often we get really drawn in because we're trying to argue our point. We're trying to get them to empathize. We're trying to get them to see our point of view, but they are not capable of empathizing. So the argument will just continue to escalate and escalate where they're picking you apart because for them in an argument, they're... So a normal person, when a normal person argues, your main goal is to be heard. Ideally, we'd want to win, but your main goal is to be heard. When a narcissist argues, they have to win. At all costs, it doesn't matter. They don't care how they get there, but they need to win. 
For example, if you were having an argument with someone and you're a normal person who's not a narcissist and you're clearly in disagreement with each other and that person clearly does not understand you, if that person then turned around and said, you know what, you're right, it's fine, you're right. I don't think you'd be happy with that. I personally wouldn't be happy with that. I'd be like, no, no, I don't want you to just tell me that I'm right. I just want you to understand where I'm coming from because it's not about that. I just want to be heard. So most people, they really don't just want to be told that they're right because there's been no resolution in the argument. So if you are a normal person and someone said, you know what, you're right, even though you know for a fact that that person did not understand or see where you're coming from, you would not be satisfied. You would rather agree to disagree but hear each other out so you at least understand where that person is coming from. A narcissist, if you were to turn around and say, you know what, you're right, I'm wrong, even if you know neither point got across, they would be like, yeah, I know I'm right. I am right. See, I knew it. <laughs> I knew I was right. So that's a big differentiating point with a narcissist versus a normal person because yes, the brain likes to be right. Yes, we like to be right. But when it comes to an argument with someone who's important to you, you would rather be heard than be right. A narcissist does not feel that way. They also need constant praise and admiration. And like they need people to look up to them as if they are more powerful than everyone else around them. So someone being nice to them isn't enough. If someone's, you know, complimenting them or just being friendly to them, that's not going to cut it for them. They need to be looked up to. So often you're going to see a narcissist will try and have a kind of job where they are in a position of power. They often are going to look for a role where they're able to manage a team or tell people what to do. Um, you know, they can be – and it could be in anything. You could be managing, you know, a retail store to being, you know, a, a position in the military, but it doesn't matter. It's you. They often will seek that kind of position. And if they are, you know, not in that position in their career, they'll try to seek it in a committee. So they'll, like, try and – become a part of some sort of committee that they can head that committee or they will try and create some sort of dynamic within a family household where they can be the head because they need people constantly to be looking up to them and praising them or at the very least adhering to their demands of how things need to be done or how they need to be respected in quotation marks at all times. They also have a massive sense of entitlement. So they feel that it's their birthright to get whatever they want, no matter the cost, and that you're just not as important as them. They genuinely feel that to adhere to this false sense of self that they've created, they need to hold themselves as more important than everyone else. They literally cannot put themselves in your position. They can't feel what you are feeling. They can't empathize at all. So if they... If they are with someone who's always kind of adhering to what they want, who's like a bit of a fucking, hate to say it, but doormat, they're probably going to feel a lot more comfortable and they're not going to feel threatened. If they're with someone who's quite a dominant personality and quite powerful and always kind of challenging them, they're going to be very angry, quite aggressive because they feel that you are threatening their sense of self. You are threatening who they are and you're threatening them to an extent that they feel that they might become exposed as the fraud that they are. So because they deep, deep down know that they're only obsessed with this concept, but they know that they are not that. So they're always trying to fool people on this concept that they not, aren't really that person. So if you are a really strong personality, they're going to feel 
threatened, but their reaction to the threat is to literally do anything to annihilate you. So they will literally try and destroy you. If it's in a career, they will go behind their back and do everything to make you lose your job. If it's in a relationship, they will cut you down so hardcore to make you feel like you have no spine and you can't stand up for yourself. They'll make you feel like a fucking tiny little piece of plankton versus like the great white shark that they're trying to be. Like there's this huge power play trying to like crush you, crush you, crush you into little nub nothing while they're growing, growing, growing. So that's their main aim if they ever feel threatened. And you'll see that in an argument. If you're in one of those relationships where if, you know, if at any point you question them or you um, challenge them on something, they go nuts. And it's a very, it's often a really irrational reaction to something or it's a very extreme over-the-top reaction to something that's actually quite small in the scheme of things but the way they react is really dramatic and they will always use the argument as you disrespected me so I remember with my ex I would have arguments with him and I would just be so shocked at why he would be flying off the rails going crazy about the smallest thing that I would be like I just don't understand can you explain to me what about this is such a big deal and he would be like you think I'm upset about that you disrespected me the way you spoke to me so they can turn anything around into the way you spoke to me that's like their go-to phrase is like you know, it's not really what, what was done. Like if they know that they can't defend what they're getting angry for, they will always be able to back the whole idea of like you're disrespectful, your tone is so condescending, you are a rude person, you're extremely disrespectful, you don't realise how cold you are, gaslight, 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 trying to make you doubt yourself, trying to make you doubt how you spoke to them and then you think, fuck, do I have a really abrasive tone? Like am I – that's what I ended up thinking with this guy. I'm like do I word things really rudely? Like am I just – really rude and not realize that I offend people to that extent and there were times where I started you know really questioning how I am in a relationship and like am I some sort of really like awful person when we get into a disagreement and am I so cold that I make someone feel so disrespected but then you kind of think wait a minute look at every other relationship that I've ever had. No one's ever said to me that I've made them feel disrespected. I've been so rude and I'm such a cold-hearted bitch. It's only this one person. So you kind of need to look like, are you the common denominator or not? Another thing about these people is that they're extremely charismatic. Like they are so charismatic. When you meet them, you think, oh my God, I need to be around this person. Like this is just either they're so fun or they're really quite intelligent or savvy, uh, great at networking, will introduce you to everyone. They're extremely social but have actually a very small, if any, circle of friends. So they act like they know everyone. They act like they have all these friends and everyone's actually their friend when in reality they might have just met them once or twice. But they create this connection with people so instantaneously that they'll, you know, meet someone once and already have their number, know what they do for work and then being like, hey, I've got a friend, I can hook you up with this person, I can hook you. They're trying to create a network of people that think that they are awesome. So if they've, for example, if they've hooked you up with someone that can help you professionally, then the two of you two are going to be like, oh, how awesome is that person for linking us together? So you're continuing to spread this word of like, I'm indebted to you because you've given me these social connections, because you've assisted me with this, because you've, you know, driven me here, you've given me that, you've helped me financially. Often they're going to, especially initially in the start of the relationship, they're going to do their best 
to appear to be the best person you've ever met. They want to become indispensable to you. They want to, especially in a romantic relationship, they want to give you things that you can't give back in return. So often it's money. It's a fine. They'll get you into like a financial kind of debt without saying that you ever have to pay it back but you then feel indebted to them because they've done things either they've helped you out with the rent or they've lent you all this money or even given you money they've bought you all this stuff they've you know done all these favors for you that often they'll do a lot more of it at the start of the relationship and then it kind of tapers off now I'm all for accepting things from people I'm not saying you know never accept anything you know have your walls up not at all But it's really important to start looking out for those red flags in a narcissist because if you can identify that someone is a narcissist, and I'm going to be breaking this down in a bit more detail later on, but these are one of the things that you need to be avoiding. You don't want to be accepting all this help and quote unquote gifts, which are not really gifts. They're like, they're really a bribe without you realizing it. If you can identify that someone is a narcissist, then that's where you need to be cutting off all those potential avenues where they're going to be able to then use that to manipulate you later on in the in the course of the relationship. If it's an employer, often they will make you feel that you are extremely lucky to have the job. You know, they'll always tell you, you know, you're lucky to be here. They'll talk up either themselves or the company that they have created you or the position that they have created for you in this company, that they've given you this opportunity, that they've given you this. You should never feel lucky in that sense. Like you should never feel indebted to your um, employer for having a job because the way I look at it is a job is an exchange. You are giving them your time and your expertise on a certain thing and they are giving you money for that. So no one in this exchange should be lucky. If you are lucky, they should employ someone else. That means you're not good enough for the job. So if you're with a boss that's constantly reiterating to you how lucky you are to have that job, then either you're shit at your job and they're actually doing charity or They have traits of a narcissist or are a narcissist. And this whole idea of being lucky, that goes for relationships as well. Like if your friend or your boyfriend or your girlfriend or your employer, it doesn't matter who, if they're constantly making you feel that you are lucky to be with them or be employed by them, that's a red flag. And if they're always telling you that they are a catch, you know, you're lucky to be here, I'm a catch. If it's toxic in-laws, if they're always telling you how lucky you are to be with their son or daughter, that's that's a red flag because they are seeing, they are seeing anything that's an, an extension of them, like their child, as being, you know, this heightened, grandiose version of themselves. And so anyone who dates their child is just never going to be good enough, never going to be on par. They've got to make sure that you know that you are below them and below any extension of them. You know, their child can never be wrong. They're, they can never be wrong. So you are lucky to be around them or dating them, you know. So just really watch out in a relationship because think about it. Anyone who's genuinely worth being with, knows that they're a good catch. They don't need to be reminding everyone around them that they're a good catch. They don't need to be reminding everyone that they're a great networker or they're good at this or good at that. They just, you know, live and through their actions, people become aware of that very quickly, that they are a catch. You know, toxic people, narcissists will always verbalize what they want you to think about them. They'll always say, I'm a great networker. I'm really good at my job. 
I am a catch. I'm actually extremely social. Everyone thinks this of me. Everyone thinks this of me. So it's kind of like in case you didn't know, I just need to let you know that this is what everyone thinks of me. You know, anyone who actually possesses these traits is comfortable enough in their skin to know that people will either realize it and if they don't realize it, it doesn't matter because they are that way anyway. So let's go into cutting out toxic people from your life. When you're cutting out toxic people from your life, let's just make a very clear, clear, clear divide here. There's two categories that I'm going to talk about. One, dealing with toxic people in your life and two, cutting out toxic people in your life. So obviously, if you um, have an ex where you have children together, this is not going to fall into the category number one. If you have a career that you don't want to leave that job because it is a career, not just a job, and you have a coworker or a boss who's a narcissist, again, this doesn't fall into category one. So I don't want you listening to category number one and start making excuses. This obviously does not apply to you. I'm talking about a situation where you can actually cut someone out of your life. And this situation is in an ex-partner where you don't share children or they don't work in your job with you. And I'm talking about certain friends in your friendship group. And then there's probably a few other examples that I'm not thinking of right now. But I understand that like in-laws you can't cut out. Certain family members you can't cut out. Some you can, et cetera, et cetera. Now, when it comes to cutting a toxic person out, you actually have to cut them out. If I had a dollar for every fucking DM that I've received telling me, oh, but like my ex is toxic and a narcissist and, you know, they're always like messaging me, making me feel the, making me feel that. Why the fuck have you not blocked them? You need to block the number. You need to block their social media, absolutely everything. You need to let them know once and let them know clearly that you are not here for an argument. You've made a decision. It's not about ghosting them. If you have legitimately broken up, you need to say, I'm going to make a clean cut here. I'm letting you know that I'm no longer going to be contacting you, nor am I going to be responding to you. You have to be okay with the fact that they're going to try and manipulate you. You have to be okay with the fact that they're going to try and say hurtful things towards you. They prey on the fact that we, or anyone who's not a narcissist, cares about what other people think about them. So they are banking on the fact that you care what they think and they're going to let you know that they think that you cheated on them. They think that you are a really awful heartless person, that you don't care about anyone, you don't care about your relatives or your friends or even them. They're going to, to your face, paint a picture of who you are and what do do non-narcissistic people do? They want to right the wrong. They want to be like, wait a minute, that's not me though. Before this relationship ends, I need to let you know that I'm not that person. I can't have you walking away believing that I'm some awful person thinking that I'm mean to everyone that's close to me that's not me so what do you do you stay in that toxic cycle you are contributing to that toxic cycle number one thing that you have to do is learn to accept the fact that they are going to say horrible things to you and you are just going to eat it and walk away because the moment you engage in an argument the moment you disagree they have you where they want you they have won they have controlled you. They want you to engage. They want an argument. Every time you argue with them, just think about it. They are never, ever, ever going to admit that they're wrong. Ever. And they're never going to change. So don't ever think that a narcissist is going to change because they will not. 
They absolutely will not. This is a personality disorder and a narcissist is not going to change. In the off chance of the one in eight billion people in this world, if they are the one person in this world that decides to somehow change, which won't happen, but if they decide that they are, don't bank on it and they can do it in their own time. But I wouldn't wait. I would not fucking wait around. You need to cut them the fuck out. So if there's someone that's not linked to you via your children or via a career, you need to let them know with no argument. You're not here for an argument. You're going to let them know. They're going to come back at you with the barrage of really insulting things and the only thing you can do is say, I understand that that is how you feel about me. Goodbye. You won't hear from me again. End of story. Now, if this is an ex that is in a friendship group, I get this a lot, I have a toxic psycho ex who's in a friendship group and I can't, you know, I can't be in a situation where I'm hanging out with my friends and they're going to be there. I don't know what to do because I still want to see my friends, but they're going to be there. My answer to that is your friends need to be a little bit more accommodating and you need to explain to your friends. You need to sit down with your friends and say, I'm not asking you to not be that person's friend. If you have a friendship with them, obviously I can't control what you do outside of my relationship with you. However... I'm asking for you to be able to divide your time now because I, for the foreseeable future, cannot be hanging out with you all together. If your friends aren't willing to do that, find a new friendship group. A true friend will accommodate you, especially when you're in a time of need, like a breakup with a narcissistic person. So if your friends aren't willing to do that, they're not your friends. Make that clear. Make that very fucking clear. And remember, I'm here talking about toxic narcissistic people. I understand that there are people that have gone through a breakup and find it really uncomfortable to hang out in their friendship group when their ex is there. But I'm not talking about non-narcissistic toxic people in this podcast today, okay? So we're talking about a specific scenario. If your friends can't accommodate that, you need to start questioning who the fuck you're hanging out with. Now, the same goes for a toxic friend. When it comes to a toxic friend, and I understand that you might have a narcissistic friend in your friendship group, And you are the only one that sees it because for whatever reason, you get affected more. You might be affected more because you're more of a threat. So they're going to be more on the attack and on the defense towards you if they feel threatened by you and not so much to everyone else. Like I said earlier, if they've got people that are always like fluffing up their ego, there's no need for them to lash out or attack. They've got their little posse of followers And they're kind of content and satisfied. So unless it's necessary, they don't need to blow up. They don't want to appear to be a psychopath because they also want to be loved. So they're only going to lash out and be mean if they feel that they are threatened or that their, you know, their livelihood of being, you know, this charismatic leader is being threatened. So you may be that strong personality that they feel that they need to kind of Be toxic towards maybe because they're trying to cut you out of the friendship group. Now, if this is you, you are just going to have to – there's a few things that you're going to have to do. You can either speak to them about it, but the issue is, like I said, they're never going to agree with you. They're never going to allow allow themselves to be wrong. You you approaching a narcissist, letting them know what you think about them is never going to end well, ever – they're going to not react well. You're just never going to get a positive reaction for your benefit. Like I'm all about calling people out. But at the same time, you've got to understand that if you go to a narcissist and say you're a narcissist and tell them all the reasons why, you've got to understand how their psychology is going to be functioning and how they're going to respond. You are going to get 
nothing out of this scenario. There's nothing wrong with letting them know how you feel, but you get nothing out of it. So if you're in a friendship group and you feel that for whatever reason, your friends just absolutely don't say it. They think that this person's a legend. They get along with them really well. Everything's great. So you're feeling a little bit isolated here being like, I know for a fact that that person is a narcissist. What do you do in this situation? Let's, let's say that you've decided that you're not going to involve the other people in the group. Let's say that your decision right now is I need to be away from this narcissist, but I don't want to involve anyone in the group. What do you do? Unfortunately, you have to tap the fuck out of that friendship group and you need to start hanging out with those friends on a one-on-one basis. You have to tap out of that group. The problem with this whole scenario with narcissists is narcissists are really good at singling out people who really care about what other people think about them. And it's not saying that they're going to single out people with low self-esteem. They single out anyone. It, there's like there's no rhyme or reason really but if you're someone that really cares about what other people think about them you're going to do anything in your power to save face and that is where their power lies because if they're dominating a friendship group they know that you're not going to be able to have the balls to leave the group and just hang around with people socially one-on-one because they know that for you, that's going to be a loss of status. You're no longer part of that friendship group. You're no longer part of that. And you know it too. You know that you'd rather be in the group suffering than tapped the fuck out living your best life. What you don't realize is that you think that the grass is greener where you are now. You think that you're better off. It's kind of like if anyone's watched Mean Girls, like I think she makes a comment being like, you know, you're better off being hated but in the group of the mean girls than not being in the mean girls at all. It's kind of that idea of, you know, with Regina George and all of that. That's the same scenario. You know, you deep down you think like the grass is not greener on the other side. I need to just suck it up and stay in this group. That's really unfortunate that you feel that way. But it's also because you've clearly not been part of a healthy friendship group because anyone that's been part of a healthy friendship group where it's truly, truly healthy and there's not one toxic narcissist in the group – would have one day experiencing a friendship group with someone toxic and tap the fuck out. Status doesn't matter. You know, being associated with these people doesn't matter. None of that matters because you understand what a healthy dynamic of a friendship group is. Unfortunately for you, if you're in a situation you feel you can't leave because of this person that's making your life a misery, unfortunately for you, you have not yet experienced a healthy friendship group. If you have, then what are you doing there right now. So I'm presuming that if you're in this situation, it's because you are yet to experience a healthy group of friends where there's not one toxic person. So what I would do is I would start, stop hanging around with that group. If you still really think that the other people in the group are good friends, I would hang out with them one-on-one and I would very actively start seeking new friendship groups. You're going to learn, I don't care what age you are, I don't care if you're 50 or if you're 20 or anywhere in between or above or below, You're going to learn that in life, the more you put yourself out there, the more different groups of friends you're going to have. And that's the beauty of it. You're going to have, you know, really diverse groups. You don't have to have one group. You might have your one closest group with your oldest friends and that's awesome. But then you're also going to have the opportunity of being friends with, you know, people from all walks of life. I highly, highly, highly recommend that you expand your friendship circle, even if you've got epic, epic friends. Now, you might not be a very social person and the thought of that gives you anxiety and that's fine, you know, 
take it or leave it. Take the advice or leave it. You obviously don't have to do it. If the thought of it makes you feel sick, whatever. But my advice to you is the more different friends you can have, and I'm not talking about being a massive socialite. You can have like one, if you're the kind of person that prefers a one-on-one interaction, you can have one friend from this course that you did here and you could have met this one random person, you know, at the gym and this one person at uni. You know, it doesn't have to be groups if you don't want it to be. But I would recommend you do that. That's how you become more emotionally intelligent. That's how you learn more about people. Your experiences in life are going to be enriched by the connections that you have. You will literally be happier and likely live longer the more connections that you have. Um, But we're talking about deep connections, not superficial ones. So I would highly encourage you to start seeking out different friendship groups. If you're an extremely healthy friendship group and you're absolutely loving it and you've got no reason to leave, fine. But if you're in a situation like the one that I was just talking about, then what are you waiting for? Start doing it now because I can tell you right now they are banking on the fact that you care too much about what people think about you. That if you were to leave the group, what would they say? What would they say? Why don't you sit down and write a whole fucking letter of all the things that they could say? Now you've said it before them. Great. Amazing. Now there's nothing they can say that you haven't already thought about it. Are you going to die? No. Will you survive? Yes. If your whole friendship group thinks that you're a certain kind of person, is that better than suffering and staying in that friendship group? Like you've got to value, like weigh up what you think is going to happen because a seamless transition between them disappearing is not an option, obviously. So would you rather be in a friendship group where it's toxic and you're pretending to be happy and you're pretending to be their friend just so you don't lose the other friends? Or would you rather in five years' time look back and be like, what the fuck was I doing wasting time with those toxic psychos? Now I've got legitimate friends that I'm actually like grow with. You make the call, but it's a decision and it is a choice. So you you don't say I can't leave. You're going to change your wording to I won't leave. And then explain to yourself why you won't leave because you're the one that has to explain to yourself. No one else is going to make that explanation. So in five years' time, when you're still miserable, you better have a good enough explanation to yourself as to why you let yourself down and didn't fuck these people off and actually make some real connections. Now let's talk about relatives because I understand that you can't just disassociate yourself from someone that is in your family but there are two kinds of relatives. There's the kind that you physically live with so you can't absolutely cut them out of your life. And then there's the relatives that you, you know, I wouldn't call it, the reason I'm banking them or I'm placing them in the category number one as the ones that you can kind of semi-cut out of your life versus ones that you have to deal with. Because the next category that I'm going to be talking about is going to be more a category of where you actually have to interact with them, like a partner or you know, an ex-partner where you share children or a boss or a colleague, all of that. If you have a family member that you don't live with, so it could be a sibling or it could be a parent, you have to understand that just because you have a blood tie, that's not good enough. A blood tie is not someone's ticket into your life. So don't think that because you are tied by blood that they're entitled to hold a position in your life. If they are abusive, toxic, manipulative, have treated you poorly, have made you feel shit about yourself, they hold no place in your life. Blood is not good enough. I don't care what you say. I don't care how you think, oh, but they're my mother. I don't care. If they're making you feel shit, if they're an awful person, if they are an actual toxic narcissist whose main goal is to make you feel below them and you feel shit, then be gone. Blood or not, 
Toxic people need to be gone. So if you're not living with this relative, I'm not saying don't rock up to a family, you know, whatever. But what I'm saying is that you have to learn where the boundaries are and you have to understand that you don't have to be dealing with this person ever. You can still arrive at a social family get-together and they be there and you can be civil. You can choose if you're going to tell them that you're cutting them off or not. Sometimes it's actually doable to not even tell them that you plan to not have a relationship moving forward. You can just taper out of their life. The more you start to grow and expand away from them, the more they're going to see you as a threat. So they're either going to challenge you or they're going to try and pull away from you. So hopefully it's the latter. But if they challenge you, you have to be prepared for that. Because at the moment, if you've got someone that's in your family that's toxic, you are kind of adhering to these behavior patterns. You know, obviously someone who's a narcissist is never going to be wrong. So you've experienced that with them. It's always a dramatic, you know, the way it unfolds when you hang out with them. It's always this awful feeling where they're trying to be above you. They're trying to state their dominance over you. They're, you know, especially if there's like more than one person and they kind of gang up against you or the your parents are narcissists and they've been really, you know, they've always favored one sibling over you. All of that. That is not an easy one, but it is a choice if you want to stay in that dynamic or not. The issue lies is if they hold some sort of power above you. And what I mean by power is if they are possibly funding your life. Like let's say you've moved out of home, but your parents are still, you know, giving you money for X, Y, Z, or you've borrowed money from your parents or whoever in your family in order to do something. My advice to you is that there's two things that you've got to do. Number one, As soon as is possible, within reason, obviously don't do anything dramatic that's going to put you in a position where you are, you know, starving or in danger. But as soon as possible, you need to cut any form of dependence on this person. While you are their dependent or while you are depending on them for anything, they are going to have that power over you every single time. So cut off as quickly as possible your need for dependence on them. And the second thing is be extremely selective with the information that you talk to them about. Stop opening up to these people about something because they might give you, they might be awful and then one day open up to you about a little thing. So they give you an inch, they give you another inch and then they get you thinking that you guys are actually closer. This is their manipulation tactic and then you open up to them and then they can hold something above you or they can, or say you opened up to them about something that you felt bad about or that you were vulnerable about, then what's going to happen? They're going to now use that against you in the future or they're going to use that against you in the moment being like, see, I told you you shouldn't have done that or I say I told you you were wrong. So you've got to be very, very, very selective about what you tell these people. If they are as toxic as the criteria of a narcissist states, stop opening up to them about anything They're not going to be a close person in your life. I had to break it to you, but it's never going to change. Get your head around the fact that this relationship is never going to change if they are truly a narcissist. And you need to stop relying on them for anything whenever possible. So limit your interaction with any time that you're relying on them. Never go to them for advice because that puts them in a massive position of power and never go to them in a time of um, despair or need. You need to make sure that your real inner circle, you've got to pick the people that you go to when you are 
in a time of need or when you're struggling. And there might be some relatives that are really good for that and others that are, you know, that you need to be avoiding. But stop thinking that just because they're your blood relatives, they have to stay in your life. I know of situations of people that have grown up with really awful parents who have always, you know, made a difference between the two children and always done this, always done that. And then you grow up feeling that you're indebted to your parents. You know, the fact that they brought you into this world, they wanted to do that. You don't owe them fucking shit. They wanted a child. They haven't gifted you something out of pure charity. People only have children for selfish reasons. No one births a child purely for the child's sake. They birth a child because they want a child. So you owe your parents nothing, okay? If you have a healthy relationship with your parents, it would be great that you want to be there for them because you've established a healthy, loving relationship. But that's not what we're talking about here. You owe them fuck all. And the fact that they birthed you and brought you into this world was for them. Any normal parent would then go on to create a life that's for their child, living for their child. But the initial reasons of having a kid is because they want a family. Okay? So... If you are in a situation where your parents are the narcissists, where your parents are the toxic ones, you don't owe them anything and you also have to understand that they've done you a massive disservice bringing you up feeling that you are lesser than someone else, that you need to, you know, always be competing with someone for your love, that you can't ever have a healthy argument where someone can admit that they're wrong to bring you up in that world that's not fair. They've already done you a disservice. They've brought you into this world with all these other things that now you have to work on. So I'm sorry, but I have no time for people like that. I don't care who they are. I don't care how tightly connected you are by blood. And the thing is that you know. You know who these people are. You know if you've just got like slightly difficult parents versus actually narcissistic parents. Anyone who genuinely has a narcissistic toxic parent instantly is connecting with what I'm saying right now. If you're not sure... And it's like, oh, but they're really good in it. Then they may not be a narcissist. They might just be really painful parents to deal with, but they might not be actually a toxic narcissist. But if they are, you know straight away what I'm talking about. Okay, now I'm just going to wrap up what I've been talking about. Clearly, I have to split this podcast up into two episodes. The next podcast is how to actually deal with narcissists that you cannot cut out of your life. So where there's an ongoing relationship with them. So to summarize this podcast, you've just got to remember that you're never going to win an argument. You're never going to be able to change a narcissist. If they are true narcissist like and have the narcissistic personality disorder, that's something that you can't ever change. You will never be right because their need to be right will trump everything and they cannot empathize with you. So if you find yourself in this kind of cycle, this downward spiral, especially with an ex who's trying to rope you in, it's not... Often it's not because they really care so much about you as a person. Remember, it's because they care about their heightened sense of self and they want to ensure that you, if you are going to leave the relationship, you're leaving feeling that you've lost something amazing um, and that they will always come out on top. That's what they're trying to achieve. So if they're trying to loop you back in, it's because they might feel that they might feel threatened and that's why you've left. So that goes the same for friends and that goes the same with a lot of relatives as well. So you just got to be really clear on these things. Um, yeah, so start doing a bit of an inventory in your life on if you do have any narcissistic people in your life and who they are 
and are they going to be someone that you can actually eliminate or is it going to be someone that you have to learn how to deal with and that's going to be on the next podcast episode 21 will be part two of dealing with narcissists how to actually deal with them in day-to-day life guys if you are doing the mindset hacks course I'm going to be breaking down the exact steps of what you specifically need to be doing when you end a relationship with a narcissist, especially if it's in a romantic relationship. I'm going to be giving you actual tools on how to respond to them when they're coming back to you, kind of little like a script but not. Um, Keep in mind this is obviously quite generic and you would always need to personalize it but I'm going to be kind of letting you know what language you want to be using around a narcissist that you're trying to eliminate from your life because there's going to be languages that language that is triggering and going to keep you in that downward spiral and there's going to be language that you can use that is going to work massively to your advantage because you have to understand that you've got to treat narcissists differently to how you would treat a normal interaction so to get the most out of the interaction for yourself, I'm going to give you, be giving you tools on the best way to speak to a narcissist so you get the most out of it without the massive backlash. I'm um, also, we've got Mindset Hacks also has the whole podcast notes attached to it as well. So it's going to be a full breakdown of the main points of this podcast. So if you're one of my many gorgeous listeners who does write everything down, that's going to be in the Mindset Hacks as well. Um, Guys, thank you so much. And as always, thank you so much for sharing. Um, I'm loving, I spent some time the other day reading some of the reviews that you guys have been leaving and oh my God, that just literally melted my heart. It was just amazing to see what you guys actually have to say about the podcast and how it's, you know, how you've resonated with it or how it's helped you is actually just the most beautiful thing to read. So I'm so, so grateful for that and for the community that I feel that we've got here together. So I really do appreciate it. If you can and haven't already, the reviews always do help keep the podcast up in the in the charts. So I would love you to rate and review if you get the opportunity and keep sharing it like you do. It's been incredible and it's Again, it's just been thank you to you guys for the success of the podcast and for the amount of people that it is reaching. So I am forever grateful for you guys sharing the podcast. That is all for today. Um, Guys, just remember, be kind to yourself, be kind to everyone else, be kind to your brain and don't take fucking shit from anyone. Seriously, live your best life and don't take shit from anyone and don't take shit from yourself. All right, danke, au revoir.